now uh, the one-month deadline for the State of Israel to submit its report to the International Court of Justice on measures it has taken to prevent possible genocide in Gaza has expired. You'll remember, of course, that preliminary ruling in January demanding Israel take measures to prevent acts of genocide under the 1948 Genocide Convention. Israel, as you will know, denies the charge of genocide in the case filed by South Africa late last year. In fact, since that preliminary ruling, more Palestinians have been killed from Israeli attacks in the Gaza Strip. That verdict came out on January the 26th, and it is, of course, uh, what, just over a month later, where are we? What is this latest state of affairs? Professor Haney Stradom is a professor of international law at the University of Johannesburg and joins us now. Prof, thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Israel was expected yesterday to submit that report on measures it has taken to prevent uh, possible genocide in Gaza. Did they do so? Yeah, good morning to you and to the listeners. Yes, Israel did in fact submit a few hours before the deadline would have um, come and expired. So uh, it is now with the court. And what I understand is that it's not been made public by Israel, uh, so it's not in the public domain. Um, and the report will now probably be studied by the court and then handed over to South Africa. Will it have any meaning, any bearing at all? Because, as I said in my introduction, since that ruling on the 26th of January, there have been more Palestinian deaths. Yeah, the report uh, will now be sort of studied by South Africa to see whether what uh, what it asked for is in fact uh, you know the response uh, that they wanted uh, in the current report. And South Africa then uh, may then take the matter again up uh, with the courts uh, if it found that it was not done. The other option for South Africa is to. Um, to enlist the, the intervention of the UN Security Council. But the problem we sit with there um, is, of course, the potential exercise of the veto by the United States of America. Should there be a measure proposed by the Council which the uh, United States is not happy with? So those are the, the few other avenues open. But to come back to your question, yes, we must understand that this order only relates to the case of Africa brought uh, in late last year. What happened subsequent is an entirely different matter, but it may impact on, on Israel's uh, compliance intention. Um, and it may then become the subject of further proceedings before the court. I guess what I'm asking when I say, is this all academic in a sense? Because the court, for example, was quite clear that Israel had to take measures to improve the humanitarian situation. We know uh, before the assault on Gaza, there were about, what, five to six hundred trucks um, uh, giving aid uh, to Gaza on, on a daily basis. And now we are being told by UNRWA, uh, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, uh, that that number has since fallen significantly below that. Yeah, there actually also a report by Human Rights Watch and uh, Amnesty International to that effect. 
Um, and that is the worrisome aspect because that was one of the important points um, uh, you know, submitted to the court concerning humanitarian aid and, and the, uh, the delays caused by Israel. Um, I do not know what the actual reason is for the dropping uh, of the uh, passing of the trucks or number of trucks. Uh, Israel is now accusing um, you know, the United Nations for causing the delays. I do not know to what extent that is possible. But you're quite right. That sort of raises important issues about uh, Israel's intention to comply with that part of the order. And if it doesn't, then it creates you know, very serious problems, not only for the civilian population, but for the enforcement of the court's order. And the problem we are sitting here with is the following. The court doesn't have any enforcement powers. So it has to rely on, on the international community to put pressure on Israel to comply with its orders. Uh, and if that is not going to be effective, we may find a situation that there is <clears throat> insufficient or no compliance at all with the court's order. I mean, it's extraordinary that we are now finding that, from reports at least that are emerging there, that the humanitarian crisis is growing more frightening every single day. There's acute malnutrition reported from children in Gaza. Even basic things like fodder for animals is something that's becoming scarce. Water, medicine, electricity, all of those things... All the while with the specter of now an assault on Rafah where the Palestinians were told to move towards in the south. And if that does happen, where will they go? Nobody's quite saying. Yes, you're quite right. Um, uh, it's an escalation of the same sort of um, you know, issues uh, and it has dire consequences uh, for the Palestinian population. Uh, and it seems if this is not stopped, then we will have an even greater catastrophe uh, developing uh, in, in Gaza. The only hope, I think, at this point in time is that there are news reports that uh, a ceasefire is imminent, uh, which is being negotiated by the Qataris, uh, Israel, Hamas, uh, and the United States. So um, if that is successful, then at least there will be... Uh, a sort of, I don't know whether it will temporary or for how long it will be, but there will be a sort of end to the, the current hostilities. Uh, and well, that's I mean, that, that isn't mm. even clear because Joe Biden, the American president, made off-the-cuff remarks whilst on the campaign trail that he hopes that a ceasefire is imminent. But by their own admission, the Americans, even they have said the Israelis have not stuck to what they've been asking. Yeah, I have no information in, in to, to deny or support that. Um, the latest uh, information I have is that that ceasefire will be in place on Monday next week. Um, and I think um, we will have to wait and see where that happens. I'd imagine but part of the conditions for it would be the swapping of hostages, mm. uh, the release of Palestinians from Israeli prisons. That's what Hamas has demanded. And, of course, yeah. the Israeli government wants those hostages from October the 7th returned. Will that at least happen, do you think? Well, uh, that is one of the conditions and has always been. Uh, so, And both parties uh, you know, are responsible for letting that happen, for making it possible, Hamas as well as Israel. So, And if they, if they can reach agreement on that, uh, then both of them 
are responsible for bringing that into reality. Uh, um, and I do not know whether all the issues uh, concerning the exchange of hostages have been you know, addressed by the parties, but at least that is at the moment on the cards. We look back now since October the 7th. Do you have any sense of what the sentiment towards Hamas might be within the Gaza Strip? I mean, since October the 7th, with so many deaths, with all of this catastrophe, um, some might even say calamity, really, befalling Palestinians in the Strip. What is the sentiment towards Hamas? Yeah, that is a very good question you're asking. Um, it is very difficult to to, uh, to make a judgment on that because information uh, that I can sort of get access to doesn't tell me um, the story, uh, what the sentiments are, and whether there is a rising sort of you know discontent uh, with Hamas uh, or not. Uh, I really cannot sort of uh, give you a clear answer on that. Professor Henny Strader, appreciate your time. Professor of International Law at the University of Johannesburg. It's important to note the Durko minister, Dr. Naledi Pando, has said as far as this government is concerned, Israel has not complied with that ICJ order.